to begin today's festivities, I'd like to steal a comment made by producer extraordinaire Covell Hudson. Dylan Michaels, Covell Hudson, producing the show today. I'm Joshua Briscoe, but I'm opening with something Covell said in the fourth quarter today because it really stuck with me. We're watching the fourth quarter, preseason finale, game three. Covell said to nobody in particular, we are literally just watching football. I thought that was a stroke of brilliance because, man, if that's not the truth, if I ask you tomorrow what the final score of this game was, I'm not sure I will be able to fact check you. If you ask me here in a minute, as you're welcome to right now, 913-3810810, if you want to ask me in a minute what the takeaways from this game are, there were some from the first half, and then there are some things in the second that were nice to see. We, we've had these conversations about the quarterback backup position, uh, we, we've had our our questions about, you know, what's the offensive line going to look like. And really, one of the things that happened today is an unfortunate thing for taking anything away from a preseason game. The, The Browns kept their starters in a lot longer than the Chiefs did, and Patrick Mahomes never played. So actually figuring out how to triangulate the takeaways from preseason game three, it was hard enough already. But by the end of that game, we were literally just watching football. It was, by and large, XFL football in NFL uniforms, and that really did it for me in week one of the preseason. And then last week, there were some things to talk about, and today, we'll talk about Rasheed Rice and some other things that may have left you with a little bit of concern, may have left you with a little bit of excitement. We will get through a whole bunch of that stuff. But when we know exactly how far away we are from meaningful NFL football... The the second half of this game today felt a little bit felt a little bit like you realized you ordered too much from Taco Bell, but you're like halfway through that that second, third, fourth burrito, and you go, well, I just throwing it away feels like a waste. I mean, I'm not going to be able to eat again until the the first Thursday of September. So I guess I should probably just polish this thing off. You you could try. Or maybe you go ahead and just step away from the big bag of gluttony. Today we will we will luxuriate in the gluttony a little bit as we go here. It's the Sports Radio 810 WHB Post Game Show again. I am Joshua Briscoe, Dylan Michaels behind the glass, Covell Hudson producing the effort as well. Chiefs win 33-32 after uh, the entire second half was largely um, decided by players who aren't going to make the Chiefs 53-man roster. There are a lot of practice squad candidates who are in there, and, and some of the offensive line. I mean, you know, Wanya Morris was playing deep into that game and get some good, valuable reps for some young guys. There, there are some things to take away. But the big-picture things that we usually get from a game, it's it's hard to decide where to go beyond the, the names that we've been wanting to see more live-action from. And unfortunately today, the guy that fills that role is Rasheed Rice. I wrote down last week, he had that drop down the seam last week, and I wrote down first, second, third drive of the game. I hope this isn't the thing we talked too much about on Monday. And then he proceeded to have a a good remainder of the game, did some good things, and we're all back on the Rasheed Rice uh, bandwagon or whatever. Cool. Today, never really got that opportunity. After the dropped would-be bomb, wide-open touchdown from Blaine Gabbert, he was open a couple of times in the back end of that second half, 
and didn't get the ball. And then did get, I think it was the first touch of the second half. First play of the half, short pass to Rasheed Rice. Makes it look easy. Does some of that little jitterbug stuff to try to buy a little time. Picks up a few yards. All right. That, that, good to see that not be the last memory for Rasheed Rice on the field at Arrowhead until the Lions get to town. But really, I think the vibe of this game changes completely on three plays. Adam Teicher noted this on, on Twitter early in the game. Two drops that turned into pick sixes and one drop that should have been a touchdown. That's 18 points worth of touchdowns there, or 21 points if you're counting the PATs. We got a two-point conversion tonight, all sorts of fun stuff. But the entirety of this game feels different, I think, if drops just don't happen, which obviously they're always going to be a part of it, and we'll see where that lands for She Rice, where it's been a little bit of a conversation topic throughout this preseason, um, despite that not really being, I think Seth Kaiser tweeted that you know he caught everything that moved in, in, in college and I'm not sure when it makes sense to begin getting nervous about Rasheed Rice. I, I'm not sure if it makes sense to get nervous about Rasheed Rice. But in the preseason ecosystem where you have rookies who you want to see get more work, I, I would have been happy to see this entire preseason be about Rasheed Rice and Justin Ross and um, some of the other newcomers that we wanted to see how they how they fared in in live action and the unfortunate truth today is that Rasheed Rice fared poorly I don't know if it's focus if it's concentration the the one you know breaking over uh to the the left side we were talking in here for 10 minutes about like his hand placement I think I think he's probably happy with where his hands ended up there but it just it, it, it did not give him much margin for error the drop touchdown I think genuinely, going back and, and watching that replay several times, I think you could make an argument that it it went directly between both of his hands and his face mask. It, it may have brushed both of his hands in his face. I don't think it hit his face mask. But it was like he, he was breathing on the ball as it went between his hands. And he look, it wasn't a great ball by Gabbert. He certainly had to track it. And when he tracked it successfully, I was pre-celebrating of, oh, what a fun play this is going to be. This will be great. What a fun moment. Right through his hands, and all of a sudden, you worry that's the thing we're going to talk about for a while. Now, the funny thing, and I think the good thing in uh, preseason analysis, as the world's gotten a little bit better about figuring out what does and doesn't matter, you know, Jamar Chase having preseason drops was like an entire storyline, and then he became arguably if the best receiver in football, if not clearly like a top three type of guy. Top five? I don't know. The NFL has so many incredible young wide receivers, man. It's it's a blast. I love it. I am in no way like taking this game straight into oh, they're not gonna be they're not gonna trust Rasheed Rice in week one. But I do wonder a little bit about the like we didn't see Richie James. Dylan, you made the you noted this. I know you're doing a thousand things. You just give me a thumbs up or thumbs down if you can't remember. But did Richie James take a snap? He was in shoulder pads. He wasn't he wasn't not suited up like uh Travis Kelsey. Um we didn't see Richie James take a snap. That like I'm saying Dylan and I just both shook our heads like I don't think we saw him out there early on. 
Certainly not a meaningful, no meaningful action for him, and no meaningful action for Sky Moore. I mean, the guys who who caught passes in this game were those guys fighting for the last couple of roster spots. And I will talk about receivers more in general as well, because I think there's an interesting thing going on there. Guys who caught passes today, okay, for the Chiefs. In order, Amir Smith-Marset hit 100. Good for him. Amir Smith-Marset, LaMichael Pirine, Ty Freifogel, Rasheed Rice, Matt Bushman, Jarek McKinnon with one, that early one in the game. Cornell Powell, Justin Ross with two. Justin Watson with one. Ty Scott, Daneric Prince, Isaiah Gaythings, Jerry Ely, and then Blake Bell, Kendall Blanton, Noah Gray, and Clyde edwards Lair all got targets but did not catch any passes. The only guy on that list who caught more than one pass, two guys on this list caught more than one pass, so I think you're going to be on the roster. Justin Ross with two, one being the red zone touchdown that we could have opened the show with if I was in a better mood. But we watched a very long preseason game, so maybe I came out grumpy. I don't feel grumpy. I'm just realizing I started with the negative, and that's not always fun. Justin Ross catches the touchdown, which is absolutely fantastic. Very happy about that. And Rasheed Rice got six targets in this game. Tied for the lead in targets ahead of, uh, actually, Justin Ross, also with six. Five for Matt Bushman. This is getting reps for Rasheed Rice, but I do wonder if Justin Ross isn't going to have to. I mean, look, last week we saw Justin Ross should have had a touchdown last week from Blaine Gabbert, and he just broke the wrong way. I don't know if he read the defense wrong or if he freaked out in the moment or if he didn't know where he was supposed to be, whatever. Blaine Gabbert threw a touchdown ball. If he breaks outside instead of just straightening it out, and if he breaks to the right from there, he would have run into Rasheed Rice last week. So I don't know what the trust level is for, for Justin Ross right now. And I really don't know what the trust level is for Rasheed Rice. I think that he's getting work now to help get him up to speed for when the season arrives, that they do plan on using him in the offense early and often. But... If the guys we saw tonight, Rice, Ross, certainly Cornell Powell and Smith-Marset, if we don't hear those guys' names called in week one, I don't think you would have any right to be surprised by that. This is week three of the preseason, and I think Rice is still the guy that could be on either side of the line here. But... We'll dive in more to the receivers because I want to unpack something Sam McDowell wrote about in the Kansas City Star this week that I think is really, really interesting. Um, and a little little production dance on air here. Um, I do not see the order as things are, are popping up on my side here, Dylan. So you let me know what you see and when you see it. We'll dance around accordingly. But currently all quiet at the podium there at, uh, at Arrowhead, Dylan? It is quiet, and I have eyes on it as well. Beautiful. Um, so we will keep an eye on the podium there. We'll take you out for Pressers Live that we can get there later. We'll hear from Andy Reid. And if you want to call in, we can chat now. I also don't have a, n- a name on the uh, phone line right now. I don't know if it's in the – got to click out of a box. It's a whole thingy over there. Uh, Covell wrote it into the phone number section, but it's George. Oh. All right. Park. I don't know – the phone number thing doesn't pop up over I here. Know. I don't know why. It's all right. I got it. I got it. The memory is going to work out just fine here, George. You're on the line here with us. You're on the Sports Today at 10 WHB Post Game Show. George, what's on your mind? What you taking away from Game 3 of the preseason? Oh, e of little faith. Hey, George. Good to hear from you, friend. Um, welcome. And may I be the 8,042nd person to wish you your happy nuptials. 8,043rd, I think, by my count, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Yeah. Finally made an honest man out of you. <laughs> finally. It took her long enough. Yeah, now you can just quit gambling. You'll be fine. <laughs> One at a time. One at a time. We won't even go to the hooch. <laughs> Whoa. Um, 
All right, sir. Hit me. Has uh, have the Chiefs found a new, uh, speaking of the draft, draft tool in picking players with double and hyphenated names? Lot, the nameplate department has gotten a workout in the equipment room recently, for sure. Yeah, Edward Hilaire, Dadeev Dufarnay, Dadeev, I can't even say that anymore. LDT, um, <laughs> LDT you know, baby, that's all we have. Uh, you know, uh, Smith-Schuster, yep. and now we've got Smith-Marset. Smith Marset, uh, Anudike Uzama. I mean, it is a, it is uh, a lot of letters there. Oh my! Yeah, uh, and, and you know, I was calling. Uh, you were going to talk about receivers as well, but uh, Smith Marset did some very nice things today. Yes, I, I like I like his his enthusiasm. Me too. Because the thing about for him that I noticed is how he acted after the play. Mm hmm. I saw that he too. He went right back to the sideline. He went right back to the sideline. He wanted to be with the team. He wasn't a receiver who said, hey, I got the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, and to me, that's encouraging. And I think that's, that's coaching, too. That's, that's coaching from the college level to the pro. Hey, you know, the old axiom, you know, do it like you've been there. Yep. You know, and bring your teammates with you is the point. I like it. I think it's, uh, I think it's a good sign. Um, I don't like the third-year player making rookie mistakes. Um, that penalty toward the end of the toward the end of the third quarter. You have to refresh my memory on which one you saw. There oh, was I don't even remember who he was now. But it was just a, it was just a guy. They pointed him out in the TV broadcast that he was a third-year guy, and they they called him on some hands. Ah, okay. Uh, and it was just you know no. Yeah. That's, this is the third and fourth quarters where you make your roster spot. And and the third third year player should know better. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and last thing, at number twenty two, uh, is he trying to be a Mahomes look alike with the hair and the bandana? This. So here's the crazy thing. I am still getting used to that being Trent McDuffie now because last year, you know, Juan Thornhill was twenty two. Uh, haven't even mentioned his pick six. That was kind of fun. I mean, not good, but yep. fun, right? Um, but yeah, McDuffie's hair I think has continued to to grow in volume as his uh, as his play grows. I think by you know season seven, we're, we're going to have a really special thing here. Well, again, if you put him and Mahomes together, you know, he can be the new Kelsey in commercials. That that also a great marketing campaign for Trent McDuffie. That's a good call, George. Adios, amigo. Appreciate it, man. Always good to hear from you. George has been calling in since almost entirely sports in the ESPN Kansas City days. George is a longtime listener of these dulcet tones and apparently a man who may someday get better taste, but I don't know when that's going to happen because he's been listening for a real long time. Uh, if it's still all quiet on the uh, Arrowhead front... Here's here's my uh, additional receiver thing. And actually, you know I'm going to talk about Amir Smith-Marset real quick. Because George mentioned him. I've mentioned him. 100-yard receiving day today. George today looks like a good receiver. He looks like he belongs. He does. He will be, my take here, he will be a 53-man wide receiver somewhere next week. Probably not going to be on the Chiefs at this point. Could be a tradable asset, honestly. If you're a wide receiver needy team and you've seen Amir Smith-Marset this year and, and if you've heard you know, all the people who have been out at training camp who have seen this is not a fluke for him, this isn't just him cooking the, the third-string defensive backs, he was a fifth-round pick in 2021, not that long ago. Spent his time with the Vikings, briefly with the Bears, now he's here, and I absolutely think that he has proven his his value as an NFL wide receiver. But the Chiefs are already talking about holding seven. And that does not include him. Let's let's dig into the uh, the wide receivers. 
just a smidge here as we look ahead. The roster cutdowns coming on Tuesday, and they could start tonight for the Chiefs because if you do it now, they go they they hit waivers, but you it, it's they won't actually be claimable until after all of the the cutdown process. So I think that's actually Wednesday. Um, so there's still a chance to to, to say you're going to be waiving someone and then trade them before that actually happens. That's my understanding from some of the other early cuts we saw happening earlier today. The Chiefs wide receiver room is certainly going to include... I mean, you know what? Let me start with Canarius Tony. Canarius Tony has to make the first 53, even if he's placed on injured reserve, because if you want him to be placed on IR and to be able to return, you have to make the initial 53. If you, like, um, Nazi Johnson and Jody Fortson, unfortunately, both of those guys, ugh, makes me so sad. I really like both of them a lot. Nazi Johnson and Jody Fortson were placed on IR before the cutdown, so their season is over. Just that way, you, that way you can't sneak that in as a little roster manipulation. If you make the 53 and then are placed on IR, then you can be designated to return and to come back after you miss a, a minimum of, of four weeks. MVS, so even if Tony's not playing week one, he has to be on the initial roster. MVS, Tony, Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice, Justin Watson are 1,000% on the team. I haven't mentioned Richie James and Justin Ross just because I think they're the next cutoff. Maybe you could put Justin Watson in a little bit of a space of his own. Uh, He's just going to be on this team unless somebody wants to send the Chiefs a draft pick and think someone else could do it. I don't think they trust almost anyone else in the wide receiving room to do all the things they ask Watson to do. But that's seven without Nico Remigio who was briefly the next guy up, without Emir Smith-Marset, who I think has shown himself to be a worthy NFL wide receiver, without Cornell Powell, mid-round draft pick, who has been on the practice squad, and he obviously his drop today was rough. Drop, hit, whatever. I think he got to catch that ball probably. But Ty Freifogel got hit late in this game. And you go, hey, you know what? There's another pass catcher there. All right, it's kind of interesting. So... Who do the Chiefs keep, and how many receivers do the Chiefs actually keep? Sam McDowell, Kansas City Star. I think it's went up Friday morning, maybe. I'm going to read you a chunk of, of what Sam did to, to break all this down. The Chiefs rarely get much offensive production out of their fifth wideout, let alone the sixth. In 2020, the most recent year the Chiefs held on to six, Marcus Kemp was that sixth man. He finished the season with one catch for 11 yards in 11 games. Play a lot of special teams. That's obviously a part of it. But as a receiver, didn't do much. Back to Sam. In 2018, when quarterback Patrick Mahomes topped 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns, only four receivers on the roster topped 35 offensive snaps for the entire season. The fifth receiver, DeAnthony Thomas, averaged only two offensive snaps per game. He had the fifth most receptions among wideouts, and he had three. Fifth place, three catches. I'm going to reiterate. Four receivers in 2018, top 35 total offensive snaps. Here's a a few more year-by-year for McDowell. And we're talking about just number of pass catchers, right? But wide receivers, because the Chiefs have a a deep tight end group with the greatest ever at the top of it. In 2017, sixth man Jehu Chesson had two catches, and the fifth on the list, Chris Conley, had just 11. In 2016, Demarcus Robinson had five offensive snaps all season as the sixth option, and DeAnthony Thomas had seven catches as the fifth. 
In 2015, Frankie Hammond Jr., sixth, finished the season with just six snaps on offense. And Jason Avant, remember that? Fifth, had 15 catches, all still fewer than one per game. In 2013, Chad Hall caught two passes for the season, and A.J. Jenkins had eight. They were number five and six. So in six seasons, their number six options have combined for seven catches. If if your eyes glossed over anywhere in there, that's the sentence from this piece from McDowell that made me go, whew, well, I'm going to read it again. In six seasons, the Chiefs' number six options have combined for seven catches. The Chiefs don't need six receivers. They're probably going to have to keep seven. And I think there are at least eight NFL caliber wide receivers on this roster. And they never even use their sixth offensively. It's why I said like the first week of training camp, hey, I saw Justin Ross down a punt. And that's huge because it means he's playing special teams, which means he has a path to make this roster that's not just be a starting caliber wide receiver, which is a very hard thing to do. For the rest of this group, I I wonder, but the Chiefs are going to have to sacrifice at least one roster spot for long-term development because you're not going to get Justin Ross or certainly Rasheed Rice or those guys, and I don't think at this point Smith-Marset, you're not going to get those guys to the practice squad to develop down there. You're going to have to be on your active roster even if you're mostly leaning on MVS, Tony, Sky Moore, Justin Watson, Richie James, and then we'll see about Rasheed Rice. It's just really interesting that most of these routes will be run by five guys. So, an interesting position to, to be in by... Uh, to be sure, but where the Chiefs stand now and something to sort through as the uh, the cutdowns approach. Let's go to the phones real quick and hear from Dan. Dan, you're on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What's up, Dan? How you doing? Hey, Joshua. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You know, it's a little shaky at times. Hey, it's preseason. And Smith Marcel looks pretty good. And uh, Prince looks pretty good on the ground. And, uh, yeah, I just got to see the Seahawks-Packers game. And uh, we'll watch the Jets-Giants uh, game. And uh, what do you think of uh, Aaron Rodgers' first game? And uh, Jets' offensive line's kind of shaky. Uh, Joshua, what thoughts about that? Uh, and the stuff on Diggs pounding again. Trying to get helmet down. I don't know what, what's going on with stuff on Diggs. He's just – I think he misses uh, – uh, Brian Dable. I don't know what uh, relationship is with uh, uh, Ken Dorsey. So let's see. Get ready for the line. Sit down, Joshua. Dan, always good to hear from you, my friend. Good to have you back in the mix. Um, yeah, uh, f- about the rest of the league there, the Giant- the Jets' offensive line being a mess is going to be the one thing that could derail their season in a way that is just like untenable, um, which is going to be a fascinating thing to watch. But the Bills and Stephon Diggs, there have been some rumors and, and some reports that it's been coaching related. Um, I think it was the, his former receivers coach who he really liked. It's not there anymore. But a super weird super weird vibe going on around Buffalo. And now you're talking about like two AFC East teams there. Meanwhile, the Dolphins have to figure out where they're at and the Patriots are a mess. A nice reminder that you look around the rest of the NFL right now and... Uh, you find teams with bigger questions than wide receiver six. And that's a good thing to keep in mind when you're talking about the reigning Super Bowl champions figuring out where they land. Dylan, I'm going to ask you real quick for your editorial opinion. By the way things are moving back there right now, do we have time to sneak in a quick commercial break before we come back and hear from, I imagine, Shane Bichelle? I believe we do. 
Let's go ahead and risk it a little bit. It's the Sports Radio 810 WHP Post Game Show. It's presented by Central Bank of the Midwest. At Central Bank of the Midwest, every customer is a first-round draft pick. Central Bank of the Midwest, strong roots, endless possibilities. Member FDIC. We'll take a timeout. Come back and hear from the Chiefs live from Arrowhead on the Sports Radio 810 WHP Post Game Show. Welcome back into the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. It's brought to you in part by Greenlight Dispensary. Greenlight Dispensary, outstanding customer service, superior product, and continuously voted Missouri's best. Open from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. seven days a week. You can find a location near you today at greenlightdispensary.com. We'll hop out to Arrowhead momentarily. I imagine we'll hear from probably Shane Bichelle at the podium. Oh, maybe we get Blaine Gabbert today. Um, Bichelle talked... Uh, following the Chiefs' last practice before the uh, the preseason finale. Obviously, he got the start today, um, so it makes sense. We've just heard from him quite a bit, and we have not heard much from Gabbert as that quarterback uh, competition has seemed to ramp up a little bit, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep an ear to the ground there. We'll hear from Andy Reid later on and see uh, how many Chiefs end up at the podium as we roll on here today. I, uh, I've unpacked the receiver thing. But uh, again, we'll hear from from Andy Reid later, but apparently uh, the Chiefs are dealing with Kadarius Toney, quote, day by day. Not day to day, which is slightly different than the way that uh, Eric Berry was handled, I suppose. But um, it's not a phrase I'm terribly confident in getting. So um, I just got a throat slash motion. Talk to me, Dylan. Talk to everybody. Uh, I think we're done. You think we're done? I think that's it. You think we're done? I think Andy was it. You think... I've lost live feeds on both of them that I was looking at, and I think it's over. Now, Dylan, I I, I trust you. Um, I respect your expertise and you knowing what to look for. You know I'm a man of integrity. I know you're a man of integrity. I just want to clarify that... Please do, because I am concerned of my no, I just, yeah, I just clarify conviction as well. That what you have seen is that in the only preseason home game the Chiefs had, week three, a finale, a game that went for three and a half American hours. You're telling me the Chiefs walked Andy Reid up to the podium, made him talk for six minutes, and then said, we'll see y'all, we'll see y'all at Burrowhead. <laughs> Is that what I believe happened? so. <laughs> I mean, look, I I didn't think we needed to hear from from Bouchelle, I guess, but I would like to hear from Amir Smith Marset. Damn it, he had a hundred yards. Maybe maybe the uh, we'll we'll talk to Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest later, and so maybe the uh, since it is a home game, maybe the logic is that some of the the uh, reporters and everybody who's who's out there now, maybe they'll get a little locker room action. Um, and so maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll talk to Matt Derrick in a little while about getting to to chat with, uh, Blaine Gabbard or Amir Smith-Marset or something, but I just thought for sure we were going to bring you some audio live from Arrowhead, and and I guess we won't. So, okay, well, we'll bring you Andy Reid in a little bit. We can, we can do some... 
rosterology, I suppose, to take a phrase from uh, from Matt Derrick. I actually do have a few other things. Some guys who made some plays in this game, and and maybe the uh, the places where some things could have changed today. We should talk about the running backs again. And I think there's an update for every single running back on the depth chart today, like from what happened in the game today, that is genuinely interesting. I think the running back room has a lot of the same questions and answers as the wide receiving room does, but we talk about it less because we know who the star of it is. We, we know Isaiah Pacheco is RB1. We don't really know who wide receiver one's going to be for this team. You know, it could, it could absolutely be Sky Moore. It could it. The reports were that the Chiefs were expecting Kadarius Tony to be that guy. Then he didn't practice all off season and not all off season, but all training camp. And so I don't know about that. We'll we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll we'll see how it shakes. But the running back room, the biggest question is answered. The rest of the group. Let me see if I'm gonna see if I can if I can say this. I'm workshopping this take right now live on air. It's preseason. Workshopping this take. I think the Chiefs running back depth chart might be the most misunderstood position group on the Chiefs. I think that's probably true. I'll at least explain my logic and then we can all decide if uh, if my take was valid or not. Isaiah Pacheco, who did get, what, a carry today? couple carries? A carry. One carry, zero yards. We debated, will he get a touch? He got exactly one. I don't know how many snaps he was out there for. He got one touch, popped up with his usual violence after being tackled for no gain. All right, Isaiah Pacheco's out there. His shoulder has taken a hit. But that was the first time we've seen him get get hit at all since the Super Bowl. Yellow jersey in training camp. Uh, don't know exactly what the extent of it's been in, in practice behind closed doors, but obviously they're not hitting and tackling to the ground. So that's real action there for Pacheco. Which is a great sign because now I imagine he'll be good to go for the Lions. But also, I don't want to assume he's going to have 20 carries against the Lions. I don't know how many times he had 20 carries last year. Can you look that up, Dylan? Can you see how many times Isaiah Pacheco had 20 carries last year? I have no idea. I have no idea if that what that is going to end up landing at. I'm guessing it's a small number. If not, zero. I don't know if he ever carried the ball 20 times. He might have once or twice. Point being, I don't know that it's smart to say he's ready for his full workload just because I don't know how a surgically repaired shoulder works for an NFL running back if getting hit... 20 times, and a, you know, take pass pro into account and his catching into account as well. I don't know how many times falling to the ground or trying to pick up a blitzing linebacker or trying to run through a Mike linebacker. I don't know how many times you want to take that beating on a running back voluntarily. We know how, how physically taxing that position is. I don't think it's unreasonable to think they might want to lessen the load on Pacheco a little bit, especially early in the year because you want him to be healthy down the stretch. Well, what's the result for last year, Dylan? Uh, so over 20, he went once okay. against the Rams. He went 22 carries. And what was the final score? Was that, that was the was that the um, Bryce Perkins game? Yes. Okay. Ugly, yeah. messy football. Close game, but correct. They just handed it off, and he was successful. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he went over 10 rushing attempts 
nine times. So okay, then like into the teens, so yeah. thirteen minimum. Okay, whereas, uh, not like a bunch of elevens and twelves. But but some he usually is carrying the ball in the teens range. Yes. Uh, and and that's where he should be. I I think if you let me pick, I think I might say like fourteen or fifteen carries for Pacheco. Maybe it's fifteen to twenty total touches, something like that. That's great. Would not surprise me to see those be lower numbers for him early in the year. Who else is that true for though in that running back room? We saw Jarek McKinnon do some Jarek McKinnon things today, looking like Jarek McKinnon. But it would be silly. To assume that Jarek McKinnon is going to be RB1 in week one, getting a workload or anything like that, because the Chiefs need Jarek McKinnon healthy in December. A lot more than they need him on the field in September. These are great problems to have. But we're beginning to to shave down the group here, okay? Daenerik Prince was like the guy Lewis Riddick tweeted about early in the preseason. Daenerik Prince is the Isaiah Pacheco version 2 that as camp went on, you heard less and less of that noise. As games were played, you saw him pop a little less and less. I think right now Daenerik Prince is going to be an undrafted free agent who we know the name of because he did some interesting things throughout this preseason, throughout training camp. But the Chiefs should probably be able to sneak him to the practice squad. And then if you need to call up a running back for an injury issue early in the season, he's your guy. No no shame in that. Nothing wrong with that. Hard position. Get your contributors where you can. Kind of feels like he has not shown that he's ready to take, again, specifically think about the role that I'm carving out here and the way I'm, I'm bringing you from point A to point B. I don't think Daenerik Prince has shown that he is ready to show up in week one against the Lions and have eight carries and one of those rail routes that uh, Jarek McCannon was talking about. His nickname is Rail. He's apologized to his family. Or the, was it The Rail? I think, I think it was two words. It might have been The Rail. I think it was The Rail. The, the Rail. I think that's what they had said. Okay, very good. Um... That makes sense, actually, because the first time I thought he said Darrell. And I was like, so is he getting Darrell Williams's nickname? Is it Eric Prince now dirty? No, he's the rail. Darrell. I like that. But I don't, I don't think at this point it would be reasonable to say he's ready for the, the workload in a, preseason, in a regular season game week one. Give him some time. Michael P. Ryan has shown, with a little more NFL experience... And spending last year on the practice squad for the Chiefs in the postseason. They signed him to the practice squad in January. P. Ryan has looked, has looked good to me. These last two weeks in particular, I think he has looked like the more, oh bleep, we need running back work in week one. P. Ryan has looked like the guy, more so than Prince, who's a little bit more ready for that action right now. But there's one name I haven't mentioned who everyone has a strong opinion on at this point. And it's just a very funny way for this this career arc to have gone. Knowing where I was mentally, emotionally, spiritually in April of 2020. Because the Chiefs used a first round draft pick on a running back, a pick that never should have happened. 
But now we're here today, and I think Clyde Edwards Elaire is probably one of the least liked players amongst Chiefs fans on the team. And I, I get it. It's frustrating to watch at times. He's getting, you know, somebody tweeted, I don't remember who it was. It might have been McDowell again. But somebody tweeted, like, the Chiefs have eight NFL wide receivers on this roster, and the first play of the game is a pass to Clyde Edwards Elaire. Perfect. But he keeps getting the early work in these games. And he's not getting work late enough in the games for me to think this is like a showcasing of the rest of the league preseason trade market kind of thing. Which I think is still on the table for Shane Bichelle, even though today may have hurt that cause more than it helped it. Clyde has played early and then by and large gotten out of these games. I think we have plenty of reason to believe that that Andy Reid looks at Clyde Edwards-Elair and sees a guy who's going to be in position, who knows the play, who knows where to be, and is probably going to achieve more or less exactly what's there for him. He is not going to take a seam that wouldn't be there for other running backs, squeeze through, and then turn on the afterburners. Not in his game. He is If there is a pass rusher who gets through who is not supposed to be his responsibility, he's not going to pick it up. If there's a pile he has to fight through on the goal line, he'll get it if it's blocked for him, probably. But, Justin Watson's 100% making this team. Justin Watson's going to be in position, he's going to take what's there, he's going to make Andy Reid happy because of it. Now that's like complimentary route running kind of stuff that all intertwines. It's a little different than like a running back. But right now, I think Clyde Edwards-Elaire, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he starts week one. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if he outworks Isaiah Pacheco in week one. I think I would lean towards Pacheco starts, and then those guys are pretty close to 50-50 split, with McKinnon getting his own share in there. And and maybe P. Ryan's a healthy scratch week one, I'm not sure, we'll see. Maybe he doesn't make the roster. Maybe maybe P. Ryan and Prince, they cut them both loose, Ely also, and say, hey, we're going to get between, between, ignore my beeping, sorry, that's my diabetes beeping, it's okay, I'm fine. Between Prince, P. Ryan, and Ely, maybe they say, hey guys, we just don't have the spot for it. We're going to cut all three of you loose. We're going to get two of you on our practice squad if we're able to. And if that's the case, you've now saved yourself a roster spot. You have your call-up in case of emergency depth ready to go, and you're not healthy scratching your running back every week like you were when Ronald Jones was your healthy scratch. Maybe they just carry all four and say, hey, we're going to have a healthy scratch running back, and that's fine because we think P. Ryan's worth keeping on the roster. I can see that one going either way. But as Pacheco works up to full a full workload, and maybe may, I totally on the table that that Pacheco looks like Isaiah Pacheco in Week One, and the Chiefs are good to go. They've they've handled it very cautiously, so I am affording them a little bit of the, the benefit of the doubt that things will continue a little bit cautiously. But maybe they've been handling it cautiously because they're going to rip the cover off and 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 set him loose in Week One. Maybe I'll have 25 carries for 180 yards. I, I don't know. I, I would take it. But it would not surprise me at all if it's a Pacheco-Clyde sort of split in addition to McKinnon getting the amount of work the Chiefs want him to get early in the season. 
which is catch some passes, block some dudes. We need you healthy in December, though, so we're going to try to make this a good mix. I think this is going to be a running back by committee group at least early on this season, and then maybe it solidifies more into a 1-2 Pacheco-McKinnon punch down the stretch. That's kind of where I'm at now, but I think by the order of operations, that means Clyde Edwards-Elair could briefly look like this team's number one running back at the beginning of the season. I don't think it's going to go quite that far. But with the goal being healthy Pacheco, healthy and explosive Pacheco and McKinnon in December, January, and February, you need other guys to get that work now. Clyde can do that. The Chiefs have shown that they've trusted him to do that many times. And I think that Michael Piron can do some of that. So it's a really interesting group because most people just don't want to see Clyde anymore. And again, I get it. I, my opinion on him has has not changed since they drafted him. My opinion on him has been pretty much the exact same since early April of 2020. And I feel like the entire world has shifted around me and I'm just standing in the exact same place now. And where I was a hater three years ago, now I'm a, now I'm a, a, a prophet. I'm a prophet, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, at, I'm at least, I'm at least trying to get a stay of execution. Like, I'm at least trying to put out some of the torches in the mob right now. Put the pitchforks down, guys. He's fine. He was fine when they spent a fresh round pick on him. He's fine now. He's been a part of some incredible highlights being on the receiving end of passes from Patrick Mahomes. There's some value there. Put the pitchforks down. Should have picked... I mean, I'm still holding mine, but it was from April of 2020. It's a, at this point, it's an antique. A bygone era. It's interesting, but... Uh, that, that's, that's just our, 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 our capability to talk about receivers and running backs in similar ways and at at great length right now, which is, once again, as we mentioned when George called earlier and was talking about the Jets O-line, and, uh, actually when Dan called in earlier talking about the Jets O-line and, the, um, the, and Stephon Diggs and all of that. The best part of this preseason is that the number one, well, maybe number two, the top two concerns were both in the trenches, I think. Will the tackles be an upgrade, or will they at least be stable? Is Donovan Smith going to be able to put together a better season this year? And then what's the, what's the pass rush going to look like? Well, we're not even talking about the tackles anymore. That just seems like we are good to go, which is fantastic. The defensive trenches. I didn't think we'd be doing this post-game show and talking about wondering when Chris Jones was going to report. I, I did not think that that was where we were going to end. And we have an end is not even correct. I didn't think we would get here. I really don't know what's happening next. I'm really not sure. Let's go to a couple other position groups here. And then again, we'll hear from Andy Reid later on. We'll talk to Matt Derrick um, when he's uh, when he's done working from that uh, special couch in Arrowhead that has become such a quintessential part of this postgame show. The drops were the biggest thing, both from Rasheed Rice and on the pick sixes. Juan Thornhill having the pick six, hitting the chop briefly, and then going up with like the heart hands was maybe the best return home little celebration thing I've ever seen. 
Because it wasn't like a sarcastic, you know, bleep you guys kind of thing. It was like, hey, what's up, Chiefs? Here, here's me now. I play for this team now. All love, whatever. That was kind of fun. He was back for the ring ceremony and everything. Um, so it seems like that relationship is, is still pretty cool. Special teams are bad all day. I mean, just across the board, bad special team stuff. Penalties and Dave Tobe looking pissed on the sidelines. The the broadcast lingering on the solo shot of Dave Tobe, I believe on multiple occasions. That's concerning because the special teamers are... You want to know who your special teamers are by now? Obviously, the cutdowns will change some things, but I would like for... Dave Tobe to at least feel like that unit's coming together. Justin Reed uh, getting a little emergency kicker rep also. It's kind of fun. In terms of the stuff outside of the receivers and the running backs, though, it's I mentioned this at the very top of the show. It is hard to gauge what matters, what's real, when one team is playing starters, when you're playing backups, and we can talk about the quarterbacks again if we want. Shane Bouchelle was getting pressured constantly, it felt like, behind the second team offensive line with a lot of the Brown starters still in there. Later in the game, Gabbert looked much more comfortable in the pocket, but the talent pool had more or less evened out. This may I may be be proven a fool on this on Tuesday, but I have not wavered on. I think Blaine Gabbert is going to be the active backup quarterback against the Lions. I I do think there's been at least an element of let us put Shane Bouchelle out here and see if anybody around the league wants to call and ask uh, ask us any questions about what, what what kind of draft pick it might take to get this guy. There's a little something to the Kevin Cobb protocol. But even if it's just been an honest competition, just say they really have been close at times. I still maintain at this point that I would have Blaine Gabbert QB2. And if the Shane Bouchelle path is to continue developing him, or maybe he gets out there in some more preseason action next year, and you really start putting on the, uh, hey, Shane Bouchelle... Available for uh, for your services, whoever Eric Bieniemy is the coach of next year, or just wherever he's coaching next year. I'm just worried about Washington. It seems like it could be a mess. I don't know. I think there's something to that, but the the main thing, and this is why I lead with like the offensive line and the level of competition, the talent on the field. You've you've got to include that in the conversation because I think to me. And Dylan Holler, if you've got a, a different takeaway or, or a part of this in the, the quarterback convo. But to me, the, the thing that stood out the most from Shane Bouchelle to Blaine Gabbert is that Gabbert seemed a lot more comfortable in the pocket. Bouchelle felt a little sped up. There's a, there's a lot of a lot of spinning, a lot of pirouetting. Some of that was design stuff, you know, little play action kind of motions or play fake motion stuff, um, especially early on. I think that was a, I think that was the first or second series where there was a lot of like turning your back to the defense and, and stuff like that 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 Michelle was doing that made everything look a little more hectic. And Gabbert may have just strictly had more time when he was back there, so I don't know that this is a fair evaluation. But when Blaine Gabbert drops back. For better and for worse, 
I, I, I have a little more of a feeling of, all right, this football is going to go somewhere responsible. If Justin Ross is in the right spot, it might be a touchdown. But he knows where everything's happening here. And Shane Bichelle has a trait that for years I really wanted in developmental backup quarterbacks, which is a little bit of crazy. Just a, li- just a little bit of gunpowder in that arm. Little Uncle Rico in him. Little, just a little Uncle Rico. Because here's the thing. Uncle Rico might have delivered a better deep ball to Rasheed Rice when he dropped that and then Blaine Gabbert did. That felt that felt like that felt like Grandpa Rico a little bit, you know. Bit. We're even this. Shane Bouchelle's got a little bit of that gunpowder on that arm. Which means sometimes you see the worst decision made of all time, and sometimes you go, oh man, that's a starter somewhere. I think I'll take Gabbert in the emergency role. But I completely understand why that would be super alluring as a developmental trait for Shane Bouchelle. So that's still why I end up with Gabbert 2, Bouchelle 3, and both of them making the roster. That's that's where I stand now. We'll see when Tuesday comes around. That's where I stand, too. I I think that Bouchelle's got a little Heineke in him, a little, you know, yeah, just a little like gunslinger, like you say, but yeah. just a backup version of a Brett Favre almost. Like I also think that you can fall on either side of the fence that you want to fall on with the performance he had today because you could also say that hey their ones are going against our twos Absolutely. on that front but also there's missed blitz pickups as well that's but, right um j-o-a i think i want to say i'm not going to even try and pronounce mm-hmm. but he's like a safety for the browns basically a box safety and he came right up on the line and Bichelle just snapped the ball, no hard count, no nothing really to switch protection. So you can kind of fall on either side of the fence, and I think that you're right, and I agree that it's safer to go with Gabbert, but I really think they want to keep Bichelle somehow. And and look, with, with that third quarterback rule about how, being able to activate the third guy even as a healthy scratch on your initial grouping, right. something we've never talked about on The Zone that's never been a conversation topic with no. anyone, including Matt Derrick, who we'll talk to later. Uh, but with, with that rule in mind, it, it does incentivize keeping a third quarterback. And yeah, and I, I get it. And may, maybe maybe you get just a little bit more of that sharp edge off of Bichelle to where you say it's, or it's not such a double-edged sword. It's just a one-edged sword where he can just yeah. swing for Just hack. Just give him... Take away the double-edged sword. Give him an axe. Give Shane Bichelle an axe and I'm happy. But take that out of the context. But until you reach that point... And, and really, here's the other thing. And this is like another part of the loving, thoughtful conversation Jason and Matt had last Friday. Not this most recent one, but a week ago. Friendly disagreement. A fr- I, were they even disagreeing? It was hard no, to tell. It was, hard it was to a tell. discussion. They were just having a nice animated discussion. Debate. A nice debate. If I'm Andy Reid and I have a game without Patrick Mahomes or a half without Patrick Mahomes or a series without Patrick Mahomes... Time for the Blaine game, baby. But go ahead. This is let let your your vet hop in here and try to try to put out some fires. I'm gonna knock on wood. I'm gonna throw some salt over my shoulder. This isn't a thing that's gonna happen. I don't believe in this. But if you need to get through uh, the remainder of a season without Patrick Mahomes, if you're gonna if you're gonna have to have a Matt Castle, I'd rather watch Shane Bichelle start 15 games. I guess I'll agree with you. Absolutely, more fun, more interesting. Way more fun and interesting. Because we've seen a full season of Gabbert. So. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't, look, we haven't seen a full season of Gabbert with Andy Reid. Exactly. That's true. So, so look, deep in my soul, I think I do believe that the Chiefs would win the AFC West with Blaine Gabbert is, like, starting 10 games. I don't know if they would win like, with starting 17. 
I think they probably would not. No, you need a head start. But I really, I'm like I, I, I genuinely am kind of buying into the Chargers once again. I know, fool me fourteen times, shame on me. But like, I kind of buy the Chargers, and Mahomes is the answer to so many Chiefs questions. Like, are you worried about the Chiefs' pass rush? Are you worried about the Chiefs' pass catchers? Are you worried about the Chiefs' offensive line? Are you worried about your finances? And I just go, well, I'm Mahomes. You know, Mahomes. And uh, we will hopefully never have to figure out any of these hypotheticals. But I do think it can be the conversation they're having at Arrowhead on Tuesday. Or, or starting now, they've certainly been having every day since camp kicked off. I'm down to see where the Bouchelle experiment goes, but I'd rather put a game in the hands of Blaine Gabbard. If that if that is what the Chiefs are thinking right now, I think that makes a lot of sense. Mentioning like the blitz ID stuff too, Dylan was interesting. That that was that that pass where there is a free rusher straight into Bouchelle's face, where he puts both arms up and and. I think he deflected it with his hands. He might have deflected it with his with his junk. It. I mean, yeah, it yeah. was he was he was on top of it. He could have blocked a punt. Yes, absolutely, easily, easily. He could have, he could have eaten a punt. He could have oh, he could taken his face mask off and bit that ball in half could and have deflated it. Taken the hand off if there was a exchange. Then, with that in mind, a couple drives later, and Trent Green called this out on the broadcast, which is how I even you know thought to make this note in real time. Blaine Gabbert comes in. This is his first drive, actually, I think. Yeah, it was. Third and eight. The blitz is coming, but Trent Green says Gabbert changes the uh, the protection, seeing that pressure on third and seven. And you're never going to hear about it ever again. But Blaine Gabbert threw a touchdown. He threw a bomb. A touchdown to a wide-open Rasheed Rice, who just happened to drop it. Now, if, if, if we're getting all of the right intel on all of this, if, if Trent Green's right, who I tend to trust about quarterback play, and if Dylan's right, who I trust even more when it comes to quarterback play, you have two great examples there of one play that probably should have been a turnover and one play that should have been a touchdown that in theory, was really decided by which of them realized that there was a blitz coming. Which one of them realized there was a protection adjustment that needed to happen. Now, again, we don't know for sure. That could have been one where Bouchelle was supposed to let that free rusher come and and try to get it over, over his outstretched arms, and he just got there way too quickly. Maybe Bouchelle just needed to speed that process up. Maybe maybe he did everything fine, and there's a miscommunication on the offensive line. Maybe somebody I've not gotten to rewatch that that blitz over and over. But maybe maybe it wasn't actually on Michelle. Maybe it was somebody else's blown assignment. Maybe it was something Michelle wasn't whatever. But that would be a really fascinating. I'll have to go back and, and look at that again before before we uh, have the zone on Monday. I'll try to get to the bottom of that. But it's a really interesting, small example of a place where a quarterback who's been back there for a decade might be able to make an adjustment before the snap that turns one play into a touchdown because he has time to develop and, and that he would have the protection. And one quarterback who had a play that, I don't know how it was going to work initially, but it probably should have turned into a turnover. 
just another way we can take a look at this that's not just the biggest highlight plays or the biggest disaster classes from either of these guys. It's interesting, and we have uh, plenty of things to continue discussing. We'll take a break. Come back and hear from Andy Reid on the Sports Radio 8 Tim WHB postgame show. Brought to you by Slagle Fence. When you need a fence, call Slagle Fence. Slagle Fence installs it all. Wood to ornament steel to vinyl. No job is too large and look great, too. Visit them online at SlagleFence.com. Joshua Briscoe, Dylan Michaels, Covell Hudson, Andy Reid going to be next in the uh, Sports Radio 810 WHP postgame show. Gabbert. And he check it down. P. Ryan makes the catch. Makes two guys miss. P. Ryan still on his feet. He'll take it for six. Touchdown, Chiefs. Uh, also, dritter und 15 auf jeden Fall. Wieder das Money Down. Gibt's nur. Oh, von da wird's schwer. Nee, nee, das oh, war eine Flagge. Flagge. Doch der war That's our sweet play of the game in two languages. The sweet play of the game brought to you by Andy's Frozen Custard. At Andy's, they have an incredible lineup of frozen custard summer treats to beat the sizzling heat. Backed by popular demand is the crowd-pleasing key lime pie concrete. It's sweet. It's zesty. So what are you waiting for? Head to Andy's Frozen Custard now and top your day with a smile. A great call there from the German broadcast as the Chiefs uh, get ready for their game against the Dolphins in Germany coming up later this upcoming regular season. The preseason is behind us, and that's a nice thing to know that it's real football still to come. we got a little extra time to wait before the uh, Thursday night kickoff of the 2023 NFL season. It's been a blast so far. Continues to have a, a lot to uh, to offer this year, I hope, uh, because the preseason was fun while it lasted. Lost my luster for it about halftime today. Eh, I was at late first quarter today, because that, that was the longest preseason game I think I've ever seen, and real football is so close that I am just ready to watch Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball to Travis Kelsey, and I can't wait to see Chris Jones playing on the field next to Keandre Coburn. Something's totally going to happen. Chris Jones. We'll talk to Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest in a little bit, but it's Andy Reid time now here on the Sports Radio 810 WHP postgame show. His uh, postgame press conference is brought to you by Champion Home Comfort. Get peak performance in your home by finding a local champion dealer at championhomecomfort.com. And don't forget to ask about their free 10-year parts and label, label, labor warranty. Easy for me to say. I might need a warranty on me saying words correctly, but... It's a free 10-year parts and labor warranty at Champion Home Comfort. Always leading, never compromising, championhomecomfort.com. We'll start from the top here with Andy Reid getting his opening statements and injuries and then uh, a couple of questions about what the next 72 hours will be like with some tough decisions on the horizon. All right. Um, Right now the injuries we had uh, will hold the guys back, which is a positive thing. Leo had a hit pointer on the fumble recovery. Um, Cole Christensen hurt his ribs. Uh, Powell had a little bit of a hamstring. Wanye Morris, a little bit of a shoulder. Cam Jones, concussion. Uh, Futukasi had a concussion. So um, these are all things the guys will be able to come back from. I appreciate the, uh, the fight that the guys had throughout the game. It was great to get the twos and threes, the work they did. Um, again, this helps Brett in the final evaluation and it helps the guys, that, the ones that don't make the team have an opportunity to hook on somewhere else, uh, with, with the tape that they put, put out there. So, 
all in all, it's good to have it finished up. Good that we're relatively healthy and we move on to a real good Lions team. With that, time's yours. Andy, what's the next 72 hours going to be like for you guys? Yeah, so Brett will get with his guys um, tomorrow morning. Um, and then the coaches will grade the tape, get that in for – uh, their final, the coach's final evaluation on, uh, you know, the guys playing, and then Brett will shake it all up and come out with the the best group uh, that we think can help us here. And um, you know, it's always it, this is the toughest day. I mean, that's uh, when you when you have to when you have to make the cuts because these guys have busted their tail through all the OTAs and then through uh, the training camp. So uh, then you got, you know, they all can't be here, unfortunately. Every year is unique, but what's going to make this one different for you guys? Yeah, I mean, there's some, listen, there's some tough spots. Uh, guys competing there uh, at certain spots. And so, you know, we've got to, you know, we got to make sure we make the right decision there. Looks like wide receivers. <clears throat> yeah, potentially. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, you got to look at numbers and you have to, you know, how many you're going to keep at each spot. And that's one of them. So. You also have to include special teams. I mean, what, how do the guys help you on special teams? So. It's an interesting conversation there, and, and I mean, it really does have to be brutal for our front office and for the coaching staff also. I mean, there, there are guys on this roster who, you know, the coaching staff has, has known very likely weren't going to make the roster for a long time. There are guys who are I'm sure on the bubble fighting for, for that spot. There are probably guys who will be surprised um, tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, whenever they guess so again, the, the cut down deadlines on Tuesday, but we'll, we'll see some news start trickling out earlier. We've already seen it from some other teams. There are going to be guys who get surprised to hear that their time in Kansas city is over. Uh, and, and guys that have had by by definition have all been on the same team through the hardest month of the year, perhaps of you're going to go and sweat through St. Joe grind every rep you can get. Make sure you're mentally ready for everything that comes with the film room and then the test on the field again. And almost half of those guys are not going to be on the roster. You had a 90-man, 91-man with the international player exception for Godric. You got 91 players out there. 53 of them will make the active roster. The expanded practice squads is a wonderful thing uh, because it lets it lets teams keep more guys for developmental purposes. There are fewer restrictions now for having veterans on the practice squad. These were all adjustments that came uh, with the COVID season. That adjustment sticking around is certainly a good thing. More jobs, more opportunities, more chances to develop. But it's going to be a hard time in, in every front office around the league this weekend, and uh, the Chiefs are certainly no exception. Another interesting conversation to be had about the quarterback position. We saw Shane Bichelle get the start today. Uh, it was not an ideal one for him. And then Blaine Gabbert came in and looked better, but looked better against the lesser level of competition from Cleveland. How did Andy Reid evaluate the quarterback play today? Um, yeah, so I, I saw some some good things. I um, saw a couple of things we need to work on. We had obviously too many turnovers. Um and they cost us points, so you can't have that for sure. But there are some good things in there too. Dylan and Covell after the show today. Just I want to let's just meet, kind of huddle up afterwards. I'm going to tell you guys saw some good things for me today. Also, some things we need to work on. If I ever say that in Andy Reid's tone, one of you is one of you is cursed on air or something. I don't know that that to me is that was Andy Reid going. So remind me, how many pick sixes were there? I can't. I blacked out. <laughs> 
And there were some nice moments. And again, I'm not I'm not sure that I'm not sure how many of those turnovers today were actually really on the quarterback. I think most of them you could at least make an argument that you could share some blame, but it's kind of a weird kind of a weird day and I don't know how much you can evaluate from that, but I do think you got to evaluate every rep you see from Rasheed Rice, and and he had that drop would be touchdown uh, that really added to a rough day for him. It wasn't all bad, but it was it was hard to uh, overlook the drops for Rasheed Rice. So what did Andy Reid see evaluating the rookie wide receiver's performance? He's got a lot of talent. He's just got to hang on to the hang on the ball. I mean, you know, he's got good hands. Uh, you know, you just got to focus in on, squeeze it, and catch it first, and you can go do your thing after that. So he'll get. He'll be all right. He's just got to keep working through it. I think that's fair, by the way. I think it's accurate. Got a lot of talent. Sure does. And again, it's not like this is something that where, where he was a drops machine in college or whatever. If, if it's really just a focus issue, it'll take some time before that, before it's not weird that he's playing in NFL games, I'm sure. But eventually, you, you can kind of get back into that headspace and be able to make sure you're catching the ball before you take off. That's a reasonable way to look at it for a very young wide receiver who just got his first three NFL preseason games. Does it make me a little bit gun-shy for the regular season the first couple times the ball goes to him? Absolutely. Of course. He, he, he's going to have to prove, hey, I've, I've got to figure it out. I'm going to be here. Throw me the ball in the regular season. I'm going to catch it. That's going to take a little bit of time to fully build that trust back up and to fully build it up, period. He Again, in, in Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes' terms, the dude's been here for an hour. Training camp is is huge, but very few live reps against opposing defenses, and they'll they'll work on that. And if it, if we're talking about it at the end of this regular season, call me. If we're talking about it mid season, I'll, I'll want to keep it in mind. Right now, something to file away. I think Andy Reid has seen young receivers struggle with drops early in their NFL careers that didn't struggle with them in their college careers, and that that seems reasonable to me. Talking about quarterbacks again here, that new three-quarterback rule that allows you to have a third quarterback dressed but technically inactive so you can activate them in emergency circumstances. Andy Reid was asked about that rule and how that will impact the choices they make this weekend. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that, how that works out for us. Um, you know, you still have to count the numbers on it, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, I think it's a good rule. It's a good rule to have, but we'll see how we utilize that. That's also fair. Certainly a good rule. Good to have that opportunity, and then teams are going to decide over time, and, and it'll evolve a little bit to see how teams attack that. Also here, a few uh, a few injury updates, and you'll eventually hear Andy Reid talk about Michael P. Ryan as well, but the, the biggest piece of news here for the regular season kickoff is, is Andy Reid expecting Kadarius Tony to practice this week? Uh, possibly. Uh, possibly. We'll just see. Kind of taking that one day by day, but he's doing great right now. Yeah, Nick's, uh, he's actually doing doing okay. Um, so he didn't have to have the surgery on it. So that was a good thing. Right, right. And you assess the Michael P. Ryan? Yeah, kind of, I liked what I saw. He did a nice job. Yeah, played really well. Good balance. Um, you know, we know he can catch well, and he seemed to see everything pretty clearly. I, that's very fair assessment there on P. Ryan, who I think Andy Reid is – I'll be very curious to see how that shakes out. I think he's probably seeing him as, as a guy who deserves a roster spot. Possibly for Kadarius Tony to be back this week. I mean, Andy Reid wouldn't tell you if the answer was yes or no definitively. And like, nor, nor, nor should he. 
at this point, you know, hide your bleep from the lions or whatever. Taking it day by day is the evolution of day to day, which is a haunting phrase to me because it's so unknown. And I just don't know what direction that's pointing in. Maybe that's pointing in the direction of no, absolutely not. But you'll find out when we put him on IR on Tuesday. Maybe. Maybe it'll be, oh, uh, yeah, he's going to play, and you'll find that out when we practice on Tuesday, or Wednesday, whenever they end up practicing. They're going to be off most of next week. It'll be kind of weird. But day by day for Kadarius Tony. if that doesn't put a smile on your face. Last one here from Andy Reid. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco getting some live action. Tershawn Wharton getting into the game. Uh, wondering if uh, Andy Reid saw that being good stuff from that duo as they uh, got back on the field with the regular season just a little bit away. Yeah, no, it was good to get those two in the game. Didn't need to be a lot. Just uh, um, get their adrenaline knocked off a little bit. So. What did you think about the way that Blaine Gabbard has performed this preseason? What did you bring back Yeah, Blaine's done a – he did a nice job. Yeah, so there's a good competition at that for that second position there, you know. And he's part of that. Yep. Did a nice job, though. All right, there you have it. Andy Reid, tired of talking about backup quarterbacks. And, I mean, in fairness, so am I. It'll be good to talk about Patrick Mahomes playing quarterback again and not the guys backing him up. We'll take a timeout here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. We'll come back and uh, find some more things to talk about. Maybe uh, maybe check in with Matt Derrick from Arrowhead as well. Maybe not also because it's a little bit of a, a different different flow this week as the preseason finale comes and goes. The Chiefs, all importantly, victorious over the Cleveland Browns. I mean, that's, that's what matters. You care about the numbers. Eric Bieniemy cares about the alphabets, the wins and losses, the W's and the L's. 33, 20, 33, 32. Missed field goal at the end. Come on. What else could you ask for? You could ask for a little fun at happy hour. You know, nobody does happy hour like Twin Peaks. Whatever your preference, they've got everything from tequila cocktails and an extensive bourbon category to top shelf spirits and cocktails served over ice balls. Local, cra- local craft beers. Preseason talking performance by me today. Local craft beers and handcrafted whiskey cocktails round out an adventurous drink menu second to none. And don't forget about their 29-degree man-sized drafts at Twin Peaks. We'll take our time out here. More Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show next. Justin Ross stares it for the touchdown. You got to be happy for Justin Ross. Just a big physical presence like that. And what a huge advantage it gives you down in the red zone, especially. But to see him, what he's been able to overcome. and Yeah, no, it's, it's been great. And obviously everyone knows, um, you know, the um, the fast start the fast start he had in college. And, the, you know, he got sidetracked by some injuries. And, you know, last year our training staff did a great job with him of, you know, bringing him back and giving him the time he needed. And I think halfway through the, the OTAs, I really think they started to see it play. And he started to get that um, that confidence, that self-belief back. And it's, you know, it's continuing on through training camp. So we're certainly expecting big things from, uh, from Justin this year. There you have it. The Justin Ross touchdown. Some analysis from Brett Veach as well. We're going to make that our magic play of the day. Usually it would be our magic Mahomes play of the day. But Mahomes didn't play today. So that's our magic Ross play of the day. Brought to you by Westlake Hardware at Ace. Their helpful folks know you've got everyday things you need to take care of around the house. But did you know they can help with your business too? Westlake Commercial, a division of Westlake Ace Hardware. Find all their locations online at westlakehardware.com. Running your business just got easier with Westlake Commercial. You name it, they can get it. You know, that's actually perfect. I think you throw it. 
Ross can get it. That was a beautiful little back shoulder kind of goal line fade situation. It isn't always the highest percentage play, you know. I'm not always I'm not always about that back shoulder goal line fade. But when your receiver six four and what did you learn about the cornerback in that uh in that rep, Dylan? Uh he may or may not have been playing in the USFL most recently. Which, hey, look, you know, so is Breland Speaks. And I actually don't know if he's gonna make whatever roster he ended up on, but he was the you got a you got a, a camp uh uh not just invite, he got a camp contract. Um, regardless of the level of competition, it's a great rep from Justin Ross. And that is absolutely a way that I think we could see him getting used pretty early on this season. We've talked about this with Matt. Talked about it last week. I don't know. Ooh, Tyshire's tweeting out snap counts also, so I'm going to take, an eye, take a, a little peek at this. But I don't uh I don't know that the Chiefs are in a position where they think they could trust Justin Ross to be a full time receiver, for lack of a better term. I don't I don't know if he's in a in a reasonable position to say like, hey, we want you to go out there and just be running routes all day and, and know where to be and, and act and react. I don't I don't think that's gonna be his role this year. But if he's able to, obviously, big thing here, stay healthy. If he's able to stay healthy out of the gate, then you open up the opportunity to be a situational weapon. In some ways, he might have a little bit of Jody Forson track going on. Where it's this big body kind of, I mean, obviously, Forson was a hybrid kind of receiver to tight end and bulked up and obviously hurt again now, which really bumps me out, but... Maybe you can be a situational weapon early on in the season. And then be able to continue building on that with your experience over the course of a year. Another training camp. Maybe that makes you into a full-time receiver a year or two down the line. we got to make sure we keep our expectations in reasonable places for rookies. Obviously, Justin Ross isn't a rookie, truly, at this point. But he didn't play it all last year. So if he can recreate a little bit of that now and again, then I'm really happy to to see where his where his career can go. So that first batch of receivers is really going to determine a lot more for the Chiefs. Uh, we may check in with Matt Derrick, but phone line just lit up. That's uh, Tommy Moe on the line. Tommy Moe, my friend, good to hear from you. Good to hear from you, my fellow. Uh, can I call you my fellow COVID brother? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I've we've you know we've we've spent some time in in some hospitals and and got our business handled. Yeah, we had we had a lot of you know bags hanging from our bodies and yes. tubes and coming all that stuff. And we <laughs> we're gonna, we're going to be all right, I think. I so think we, we are. Uh, um, but who's not all right is Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Uh-huh. And I don't get the infinity or the infatuation with playing him, featuring him. We're not going to get anything for him. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. We got rid of Breland Speaks after a couple of years. Well, Michael Pirine, to me, I don't know. Am I the only one seeing that he's more explosive, more elusive? He's quicker to the hole, and he can break tackles. Am I? Am I the only one out of the three million people in the metro area that <laughs> see this, or is that just uh, I'm just 
seeing something that I'm not supposed to be seeing. You're, you've got three allies, of the three people who are currently in the room here, uh, Tommy Moe, because, no, the, the, the explosiveness from P. Ryan around that corner uh, was, was jump-off-the-screen stuff. I, I was saying earlier that I think, really, the thing for Clyde is the Chiefs feel like they can put him in the, into real situations early in the year as Pacheco works back and as McKinnon tries to stay healthier later into the year. I I think that what they're saying is we we can lean on Clyde for a little bit while everybody else sees their roles kind of evolve. But I I mean I think it is pretty clear at this point. If, if you were to say hey just one of these guys has the ball in their hands, I'd rather see Piran with it. I, I don't I don't think you're loaning that at all. Yeah, I, I mean it's third down. McKinnon comes on third down. If we need someone to run the ball, I mean he was out in the past routes. I just don't see it. Clyde was a great player. At LSU, you know why? Because he had three number one, or he had three number one first round draft picks with wideouts. So everybody played a lot of light boxes mm-hmm. and allowed Clyde to, you know, pick and choose his holes. He just seems as, as we all talk about how small Sky Moore looks out on the field. Clyde Edwards looks small too, and he just yeah. it's just not there. And it's time to cut loose. Let's let Lamichael Pirine. You know what? Are we worried about protections? What are we? What are we worried about? Lamichael Pirine can't do in the games one, two, and three, because without Chris Jones, guys, we're going to need as much offensive weaponry on the field as possible. We're not going to win games 21-17. We're going to win games 37-34, it looks like, here going forward until Chris Jones makes up his mind what he wants to do. I think you're certainly right about that, Tommy Moe. Again, very, very good to hear from you. hope I hear from you several more times uh, post-game this year. You will. Thanks again, Josh. Fantastic. Good to hear from Tommy Moe. Um, yeah, so... In terms of what what are the Chiefs worried they're not going to be able to see or not be able to get from P. Ryan that they could get from Clyde? Again, I said it earlier when we were t- like, I'm using a lot of the same terms for Justin Watson as I am for Clyde Edwards Hilaire at this point, where it's just this feeling of Andy Reid trusts him to be in the position that they want him to be in. I think it's pretty evident with Clyde. He's not going to, if you give him lemons, he will make lemon juice. This is my new analogy. I have just thought of it. This is where we're at. He's not going to take lemons and make lemonade. And if you give him chicken bleep, he's not going to make chicken salad. But he also isn't making chicken bleep. It's just, you give him lemons, he's going to squeeze some juice out of them. The exact amount you would expect. But I think having some stability for someone who has been in that room for a long time. And again, P. Ryan was in the, the running back room through the playoff run last year, which meant that, you know, his whatever involvement he had throughout the offseason, he, he knew this is where he was going to be starting next season. I think he ended up signing a futures deal, so that was never really like a question. I have no idea how much work he was able to, you know, do with the Chiefs in that in that period of time. But my hunch, and not necessarily the argument I'm making, to be fair, I, I would probably join in on the argument about Justin Watson and say, look, it's, it is valuable to have somebody who can run from every position, who can be in any spot, who isn't going to be super open, but will demand defenses cover him. All right, I hear you. I get it. But for Clyde at this point, I don't think it's a sunk cost fallacy thing. I, I don't think it's, oh, he was a first-round pick. I also don't think they're going to get anything for him in a trade. But my hunch at this point, again, without it being my very specific, actual, personal take, my hunch at this point is that the Chiefs want to have a guy who has heard every play call, who has been in every huddle, who has been on the receiving end of some big moments from Patrick Mahomes, and that they're going to value that. I also think that 
Daenerys Prince is probably on the practice squad. P. Ryan might be sneakable to the practice squad. I think it was Matt Derrick who, who made the point that, look, I mean, teams are always going to overvalue their own running backs a little bit because they're, they're the guy they have. And as we've talked about many times, moving parts there is a relatively easy thing to do. Swapping out cogs in the running back machine its part of the reason that running backs can be hard to evaluate and hard to separate because the situation is so impactful. I don't think that there's any big burst coming back for Clyde, but I do think the Chiefs would see some value in just having a, a guy in the, the rotation who's been there before. In addition to Pacheco and McKinnon, obviously, but for that third running back, I think that could be a little bit of the split. It's an interesting conversation, though, and I'm glad to be having it. I'll be much more glad to be having it as cutdowns come, as we eventually, yes, after Chiefs-Lions, we can have a post-game show about a game that matters. also want to say thanks to J-Wolf Acura Dealers. Acura brings you a new action-packed summer of performance feature, the Acura Summer of Performance event going on now. Visit J-Wolf Acura and J-Wolf Acura of Overland Park or shop online at go.jwolfacura.com. Another big shout-out to Dylan Michaels and Covell Hudson for all the effort throughout the course of this preseason. I'm Joshua Briscoe. All three of us will be back for more Chiefs post-game action on the Sports Radio 810 WHB post-game show right after Chiefs and Lions. We'll talk to you 10 a.m. on Monday in the Zone. Until then, bye, Mom.